Disco. Babes, how we doing? Are we good? We are. We are so good. You know why? Because we're drinking CBD infused drinks. You know, this is the first time that we're recording at this hour. Yeah, it's quite late. It's 2 a.m. 9 p.m. <laughs> 2 a.m. We'll try something new. How much energy can we have at 2 a.m.? Yeah, no, it's true. Actually, we got a lot of energy, me and you. Always. Yeah. Uh, listen, all my babes, I hope you're all good. And we are really excited for this episode. Really excited. Bit of an icon, isn't she? Um, she's iconic, and she can. She's got the gift of the gab. Like she, can, it's like magic when she speaks. <laughs> it's just that voice was is or oh, without was giving it away. Yeah, I think it oh. was a leak. It's like you would think this person was born for radio. Indeed, but that feels like a um, an insult. That old insult, isn't it? But it's not. But it's not. I mean, it wouldn't have been. Face unless, the radio. <laughs> yeah, it got, that's a face already. I was like, wait. Uh, oh, God, we're tired. Actually, no, you stay in your lane. I'm not tired. I'm all right. Um, <laughs> she's an absolute superstar. And uh, we're really excited to welcome her onto the show. Shall we do it? Let's get her on. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we- so we always do our intro for the guests before um, before the guest gets here. You're like, yeah. what the hell? Why are they talking without me? I'm not and started then, yet. Yeah. And then Scarlett was just, this podcast about us. And then Scarlett was like 45 minutes late. So then we was like, oh, we'll oh. do it in between. And then we just get distracted because we've got attention spans of, of, of toddlers. <laughs> and then uh, we was like, quickly do it now. I'm in the loo. And then we started to do it. I'm so sorry. And I walked in and went, hi. We, no. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. We love it's it. Fine. Fine. We got it. Welcome to your right, babes. How are you? I'm really good. I'm so excited to be here, honestly. I just can't stop staring at your teeth. Honestly, (laughs) like, I know I've already said it like four times, but you've got such incredible teeth. Thank you. I'll take that. Check the gram after, listeners. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We'll we'll put up a picture. We'll, like, do a second one where we zoom in on the teeth. (laughs) Yeah, we love that. Um, I so love you to have you on the show. I grew up with you. Um, on the radio, like literally grew up with you Um, back when I used to be, actually I'm only 30, so what, I would have been, I would have been like 16, 17, I was a teenager, back in the days when I used to smoke weed, yeah, and I'd be listening <laughs> to Kistery, listening to your voice, and because you were such a long and standing member on the Kiss team, like for such a long time, you were like the song book to, yeah. to my Friday night. Oh, I love that so much. So weird to have you here sitting in front of us, I feel a bit fangirly. Oh, you can fangirl me as much as you want that makes me feel great Thanks, do you get that folks. a lot um people do recognize my voice mm. in weird moments like i was ordering a pizza once what? no stop it yeah, and the guy was like are you neve from kistery from kiss <laughs> and i was like yes and then same like ordering a taxi so it's interesting because i think when people see me in person they don't connect me but if yeah. they hear my voice they're like oh it's neve but i also used to do all the jingles on kiss for like a decade yeah. so every time you heard like kiss th- that oh. was me yes the jingles are done in house <laughs> that did bits like, yeah, isn't it but also like they come back in your sleep like they just they live like rent free in your mind for yeah. a very long time <laughs> like they they That's do awesome. oh so when did when did you when did you leave Kiss? Because as James mentioned, you were one of the longest running presenters at Kiss. Yes, right? I was there for ages. Um, so I did. I started actually as a producer at Kiss. Right. I had done radio for a few years before that, but not mainstream kind of commercial radio. I'd done a lot of Asian radio, which was really where only the doors were opening for me for a long time. Um, and 
I did afternoons on Kiss for like seven years, but Kistry was what I wanted because yeah. that's what I DJed, that's what I played, that's what I loved. So I had my eyes set on getting that show, but a woman had never done it before, and that was a bit of a thing. Wow. So they really put me through my paces, and um, I got the show about seven years ago, and I was so happy, and then I got pregnant. <laughs> straight away which is what happens to a lot of women as well yeah. like you make that moment like you get that thing and then suddenly you get pregnant was it a surprise pregnancy or was it like is it a planned situation it was, it was we had wanted kids for years and we were unsuccessful so it was definitely wanted but it was definitely a surprise a great one yeah um but that then changed the course of the direction of where everything was going for me at kiss so um i kind of officially left kiss once genevieve my first um, baby was born and then I came back in a really small way kind of doing weekends and bits and pieces mm. and then I got the show again and then I got pregnant again <laughs> and it happened again so <laughs> anyone that does that show be careful you're going to get preggers you're going to get preggers twice <laughs> not once like once wasn't enough you're going to do it twice <laughs> how was that being a presenter and well then becoming a mum and then going back and then having to go through motherhood again with the second child like how is it because I know what it's like to be a presenter from my time on select radio like it's it's intense there's a lot mm. of preparation there's a lot of pressure yeah I couldn't imagine doing that with two kiddies as well yeah it was really you've you've, you've really got that there because it was so full-on yeah. and I think it's because it was such a big show and Kistry was kind of the anchor program for the station there was a lot of pressure lots of things had to be delivered really well and kids are unpredictable right like yeah. you know it doesn't matter what you think is going to happen in the morning when you're rushing out to not be late because you can't be late for radio you're kind of like pushing a toddler around like hurry up you know and I kind of just realized when I went back to it before I got pregnant with my second baby Vivian I knew that I didn't want to do this every day anymore it just didn't weigh up correctly for me Mm. you know I I wanted to be a mum and I needed to take that time out to be a mum and I knew I'd come back to radio eventually but I do miss Kiss like I miss I miss that energy that the station has and and I don't miss playing Kistery, I've got to be honest, because I played Kistery to death yeah. in every nightclub, in every nightclub across the country, from Swindon to Timbuktu to Dublin. I played Kistery everywhere. Yeah. And th- they are powerful songs, but like any music, if you rinse it you're gonna rinse it yeah so i don't i don't miss that but i'm i'm very happy to be on a new journey now as a broadcaster Magic. Magic. <laughs> was that always your was that always so your good. was that always your bag like that kind of music was that what you wanted to play what you knew from an early age like where did your kind of love of music i guess take you to dj like where did all that start for you i think i always knew that i had the gift of the gab And I knew that I was going to do something that was revolving around me speaking. But I loved music as as like a teenager. Mm. And I was in a band at school and I kind of was like really... Like a trumpet band or like a girl band? Like neither. (laughs) I love the fact that those are the two things that you thought in your head would be me. Me and a girl band. I love that you think that. that. No, I was in a grunge rock band in my teens. Like doing Nirvana and Oasis and Blur covers and stuff like that. And um, that kind of took me into music. And I started working at record labels, making great cups of tea, being really (laughs) helpful, answering the phone. And that then led into radio. I kind of got in through the love of music. But I was 
sort of a runner at lots of stations mm. for many years, just being super, super annoying and helpful. What was it about Kiss for you that that you did you always know you wanted to be on Kiss? Did it just yeah. happen? Did Kiss just fall in your lap? You're like, you know what? I'm no. kind of cute here. I like it. I wish. No, I wanted Kiss bad. Like yeah. it was the station that I had grown up with. It mm. had all my favorite DJs on, like Hype and EZ and John Digweed, and I just needed to be part of that establishment. So it was a dream station. I remember that um, when I was kind of just, you know, doing odd jobs and, and doing bits and pieces to get the break, I started working opposite Kiss at um, like a market research place, just on the phone, like asking people questions, just whatever, using my gift of the gab. And just so I could be close in proximity in case they needed that. me. And then it was really great because they did because it was my voice that got me through the door. They heard my voice and they kind of said, okay, we would be interested in trialing you to do the jingles for the station and that's how I then led ah. into eventually getting my own program so it paid off sitting wow. in that tiny office with my little headphones on Do making calls oh my god wow to do the jingles and then taking it all the way through to history yes that's incredible yeah. I love the story there that you knew that you wanted to do something and that was your goal yeah my goal has always been to at some point in my career be on capital I just yes love select my select my family but I love Send out to the universe. Yeah, You'd like, be so good. I'd love to do a breakfast show on Capital. <laughs> Get me on in the morning. Listen, if you ask me pre-sober days, I would be useless. I would have got out of bed before midday. But <laughs> now, like, I'd love to. And it's just, when you know you have a direction or somewhere that you want to be, Absolutely. it's just so nice. And the fact that you've fulfilled that, what an inspiration. Oh, thanks, But Kate. it doesn't always work out like that, especially in, like... All right, Debbie Tanner over here. <laughs> if listeners have known anything from three series is i'm Actually. you're like the positive puppy i'm like oh, I'm the, the po cynical cat Positive <laughs> puppy, i love that cynical cat that's excellent that no, you're, you're, what's your, that's that's a really good point though it's it's, a, it's really hard yes. like i've i've always wanted to to work in music i adore music always wanted to work label side Honestly, haven't made too much of an effort to make those strands. No, but I none. know, especially <laughs> in like, you know, radio and show business, it's actually really hard to get that. And yes. a lot of, I've heard, I think Nick Grimshaw talked about loads of years doing like hospital radio, which is definitely like an avenue yeah, through. Yeah, I did that yeah. too, yeah. Did and, you? And you mentioned mm. um, like Asian radio stations. So like, yeah. what was that journey like for you? So I... I started doing radio through hospital radio, actually. That was my first thing that I did in radio. And it was in Reading where I grew up. I'm not I'm not a Londoner. I was just a mockney on Kiss. People are always like, You are you not from oh London? God. I, I feel like, no. cheated. <laughs> I legit thought you were a sister from the <laughs> East End. <laughs> no, I'm so posh. Yeah. I just managed to like change my voice. Um, no, so when I was in 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 Reading, I I basically started working at um, Royal Berkshire Hospital, just helping out once a week. And all my job was was just arranging the cassettes in order. And I'd go around the wards um, before the show, and I'd take requests. And it was the most grounding experience I've ever had in my life because it kind of taught me the power of music. Because when you're going and and meeting people who are potentially on their last legs like mm. you know they are they're not well a lot of them have been in hospital for a really long time and you're going to see them in the wards and you're asking them you know what song do you want to hear today and they are so passionately telling you why they want this song it was their wedding anniversary song or it was whatever honestly it changed everything for me in terms of kind of what I 
thought music meant to people and I yeah. realized how powerful music is music is therapy mm. music is medicine for people yeah and I got so much pride out of of sitting with all of that I remember everyone I met in those wards it's really strange there were a lot of them were quite old and it was interesting because we weren't allowed to play Frank Sinatra I did it my way because it was, it was quite a down song but it was the uh, most yeah. requested song wow. how much has it changed nowadays would you say when it's in terms of getting into radio has the like journey to get into radio really changed or i think it's i mean the thing now is basically we've all got platforms now that we never had so mm. before if you wanted to get into radio you would have to find a facility to record a demo and then you would send it to the program director of the station and you would hope that that demo would get listened to then you'd get called in and they would get you to do mock shows mm. and they'd start trialing you out now if you're big on Instagram, that's yeah. enough. You know, there are people that have been brought into Kiss. Kiss has gone in a very young direction now. Yeah. And there are there are a few presenters there that are literally just stars on social media and stars on, on Instagram. And they are now radio presenters as well. So actually, mm. I think it is easier because you can have people look at you so much quicker the visibility is there which wasn't there before and i think because of the power of podcasts as well if you have a very popular podcast there you go james it can get you to radio it can get you to radio <laughs> so easily because it's and, and radio's had to change and adapt i mean my style on magic is completely different to what it was on kiss yeah. my style on magic is just to chat and have a conversation and be silly and be myself and when i was on kiss it was like sell this sound energetic do that it's mm. we're now Competing with with people who are being really real, and that and those are yeah. influencers, bloggers, and podcasters. So we have to, you know, commercial radio in a way has to sort of hold back from just the win fifty k and you know buy mm -hmm. a bed from dreams or whatever. They have to be really careful because they're competing against people who are being really authentic. Yeah, there was a switch for me that when I actually got picked up from Select through the podcast um, and I went knocking on their door mm, and I was like mine? Well, um, I mean you're not it's a coming. DJ though like you're <laughs> not a DJ but you did do that one set once for your birthday like, <laughs> we'll talk about that yeah. um, <laughs> but they, they um, yeah, I went knocking on the door and I did a guest set once and I really wanted to work for them and I was like mm. I really want to work here this is a great team I really want to be around for like-minded like people and uh, just really wanted to be there and I um, messaged the guy on a Facebook he read it and didn't reply to me and I was oh. like I was gutted and I was like okay you know what I'm not going to give up because I know there's a place for me on this team yeah. but it's not my time right now yes did this they found this because we got like Gay Times' favourite new podcast back in what not 2019 or something like that 1999 and then they contacted me to be like hey would you and it was the conversational element of what we do on our podcast with different guests and introducing different elements that they were interested new words new words I'm dyslexic so I want to pick up on something you mentioned about when you um, when you joined Kiss and you felt like, uh, and I don't want to put words into your mouth, mm. but like you were being produced in a certain way. Mm. So like they were after a certain kind of presenter, a mm -hmm. certain kind of style. Um, and also, you know, you are one of the first British Asian women to kind of be in mainstream radio. Mm. So like for that transition into Kiss, which... I feel like it would be quite a diverse station. Did you ever, how did you navigate that? Like, did you 
have like any was there any conversations around like how you were produced or Mm. or any of that sort of stuff back when you started you know i actually back then it wasn't a very diverse station to be honest with you Mm. there were a few standout djs of ethnic minority background but certainly across the entire day part there were mainly just white men right Mm. like bam bam and street boy and jez wellam and they were doing i mean they were epic presenters great broadcasters but there was there was it was challenging um and i was actually only brought in originally for an asian program on kiss so Mm. when i started doing the jingles i then naturally sort of was brought forward to produce an asian program now i wasn't going to say anything because i was just extremely happy that the door was open and i had some experience in asian music and i knew the boys that that were doing the show and i produced them for about a year and just watched a lot and took a lot in and just waited for my like literally waited for the perfect moment to say okay it's time Mm. i'm a presenter i'm really good um, you need to hear what I've got to say and, and how I sound. And the the director at the time of the station was so impressed that I was so forthright about that that he was like, all right, I'll give you some studio time to record some demos. We'll see how you go. Um, and he was shocked because he thought I had no experience, but mm. I had been quietly, mm. you know, working in radio for years. And I think sometimes, you know, there are different ways to get into it. But if you have, like we talked about earlier, if you have a goal, and you can see that that's something that you could get to. You have to stay really focused in what you're doing, but you also have to sort of appreciate that there's no straight route. You know, it's not necessarily pick up the phone. Oh, yeah, come in and do a demo. It is actually, oh, Neve. Oh, yeah, I've seen Neve in the kitchen. She makes a great cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, it She's is, got great it? chat. Oh, have you heard her voice? Yeah. It's those things. I think there's, a, there's an element of grafting that has to go on um, as a route in as well. But I was brought in, so I was one of the only females um, to, to have my own solo show. And when I first wow. started, I'll never forget that my old boss said, you know, you'd be much better off just joining like with a guy and just being like a sidekick or a co-host and I was like I don't want to I've got a lot of personality and I want to do it on my own so not only did I break kind of the Asian barrier because there were no British Asians on mainstream radio at all I also broke through that female kind of you know um, sort of sexist barrier as well Um, and held my position really well because I just I was up against the boys you know Mm. every time we ever DJ'd anywhere I was one of the first female DJs back in the day it was like me Sam Devine Mm. you know um, Sister Bliss there weren't any any of us around then so it was quite a new thing and you had to hold your own with the boys because otherwise you just wouldn't get anywhere so it was an interesting time you know did you did you enjoy like the strategicness and the sort of the hustle of it or was that something that you just felt like you had to do but actually was not was not really you I was quite creative and I like to just have fun and just broadcast I did at times find the the restrictions of commercial radio very difficult because Mm. it's so different to Radio 1 for example you're not necessarily at times or you weren't then celebrated for your own individuality and your personality Mm -hmm. you know it it seems really cool that I was just Neve on Kiss but we weren't allowed surnames because that would then sort of make us our own beings and actually we were supposed to be part of just Kiss interesting 
And we were one of the only stations where we weren't also allowed to promote our own social media. We had to just promote Kiss's social media, and that's quite reflective in our social media numbers because we ha- I had two million listeners, but I couldn't promote myself. And this has all changed now. You know, there's been a huge wave of equality that's come through at Bauer, and it's amazing because it needed to happen. Mm-hmm. But there was a very old-school attitude there for a very long time, and it was difficult sort of trying to evolve as a broadcaster but be held back a lot Mm. but it's it's good because we changed that for the new generation do you think uh do you think the industry has got um more diverse do you think it's it's better in in that way than than when you started oh absolutely i mean a hundred billion percent but it only happened about two years ago Mm -hmm literally and um it's still i'm still one of the only british asians to have a mainstream radio show still now yeah people come in and they cover and they do bits but but no it's it's definitely changing um and i'm glad to see it but it it needs to happen a lot more in a much bigger way there was a shift. I went up with the I saw Capital Dance when they launched their um, station, and it was just Mr. Jam, Mr. Jam, Mr. Mm. Jam, Mr. Jam. Yeah. It's like I don't. I pick up on these things. Mm. It's like the great Mr. Jam is incredible. I love mm. Mr. Jam, but it's like what about Coco Cole? Like yeah. Coco Cole was there. She was doing her thing, and yeah. it kind of felt like the whole Instagram or the whole platform yeah. was such a spotlight, and mm. rightly so in places because he is amazing at what he does. Yeah. But Miss Coco Cole, she also amazing, and yeah. like. I think she deserved that. And I remember her, she put a post where I think she subtly kind of hinted to that to Mm. be like, look, I'm over here. Come on. Like, and then it, then it changed from there, but it shouldn't need to be the way. Like it should just be from the get go. Everyone deserves their, their, their 15 minutes of love anywhere. I think it's just, it's, it's one of those scenarios where we're always battling against kind of equality in every way, you know, and, Unfortunately, in the music industry, even with superstar DJs, you know, it's 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 mainly men. It's just how the whole industry is run that yeah. you have your huge male acts, um, and it's changing really slowly. But um, it takes it's it's a lot for women because if you stand up to it or you blow the whistle or you kick off, you're seen as bossy. You're seen as being rude. You know, it's yeah, it's it's really it's difficult to actually hold your own. Um, in in a boy's world, in a man's world, and get ahead, um, but also you know, kind of be true to who you are. And I remember at conversations where I sat down with the bosses and I was like, I, I want to start a family, and they were like, What? Mm. <laughs> what does that mean? And I was like, Well, I'm I want to have a baby. <laughs> Something that's not about you. I've been it's here about for me. A long time, <laughs> yeah. and I'm getting older, and I want to have a baby. And they were shocked. And I think it's yeah, it's it's about time really that kind of anyone from any kind of area of diversity or or difference is celebrated and there should be more trans people on radio and there should be more gay people on radio and it just it shouldn't just be what it's always been it should be every voice from every background that's how it should be we've got to talk about um another topic that's that's really close to your heart and, and also really close to us on here on the podcast and that's mm. that's mental health mm. um so if people don't know um that about you mm. you do a lot of work in the mental health activism space so mm. um 
like tell us a bit more about that if you can share like was that based on a sort of personal experience yes. where did your passion for that come from um so i've always been someone who's been open to kind of discuss my struggles um much more so since i had children because i've realized how important it is um for people to be real and just say when they're not okay basically mm -hmm. mental health back in the day when i started in radio you could never talk about how you were feeling in fact it was totally frowned upon um but the mental health movement, I think, where we started breaking a lot of stigmas was probably about six or seven years ago when everyone realised that everyone was really fucking struggling. Mm -hmm. Big time. And we kind of had this epidemic of people with depression, anxiety, self-harm, all those things. And I started thinking, do you know what? Everyone just thinks I'm really cheery and really funny and, and lots of you know high energy. And actually, I really struggle with my brain. And I went through depression as a teenager. I had a lot of family breakdown in my family. And I think a lot of just, you know, sort of being part, being of immigrant parents, moving to this country. There was a lot of pressure on my shoulders growing up. And that pressure um, was a lot when you're young, you know, to kind of be the best version that you could possibly be when you're 13 or whatever. And so I struggled a lot in my teens and... Um, and then struggled a lot after I had my first daughter because if you have a history of depression mm. and you have children, as a mother, you would more, you're more than likely to have depression again after your baby's born. Right. Something I had no idea about. Um, so I was really thrown in the deep end at that time and I kind of went through a, a horrifically challenging time. And when I got out of it, I knew that I had to use my voice to help people. And I started talking about mental health and I just haven't stopped. And I'd already been doing a lot of work with charities. My little brother is special needs and disabled. And I think that changes everything when you have a sibling that is suffering or, or is going through something so big. Yeah. So it made me want to give my time to people that needed me more. Mm. Um, so I've always done a lot of charity work, but I now do a lot in the mental health space because I've got lived experience. So when I go to school and talk to young people about choices they're making or how they're feeling or pressure or any of those things, they resonate because they know that I've actually been there. And that's that gives them a lot of sort of... It gives you a rapport that they take more from what you're saying than if... You know, someone would come in. Like I remember everyone, when you're at school, the police officer comes in or the fireman mm. comes in and they, they talk about their job, which is great. But someone coming in and saying, look, I really went through what you're going through. That changes things for a young person. So I make sure I do a lot of that. Yeah, which is so great because I, I truly think that mental health is severely... Mental health um, treatment is severely underfunded in this country and you do not get the support that you need at going through the process myself um you know see uh, um cbt as, as therapy can mm. be really really great for some people but also psychotherapy is kind of what i need and you're talking from my personal experience mm. but you don't you don't get that on the nhs so you no. either have to pay for that or yes. if you're lucky to work for a corporate that will will sponsor that for yeah. you um and i i think unfortunately under this the the, the government that we have it's not going to get better um mm. so i think the work of charities in the space is so mm. important to yes. plug that gap effectively and Absolutely. to have the conversations that 
you know, our government and our education system isn't having. Absolutely. So two, no, less than two years ago, I remember I got really bad. I didn't know it was depression. Mm. My mum suffers with depression, manic depressive. She's been for many, many years oh. and uh, anxiety and a lot, uh, a lot of mental health um, struggles, which I saw from a very young age. We used to sit and watch, listen to magic together when she used to struggle. Oh. And so it, 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 when we talk about magic, I think about that. And mm. I remember why she leaned in so much because she was struggling mm. and she couldn't, back then you couldn't, mum's like 54, you couldn't can't, you couldn't communicate because it, it wasn't really understood mm. Mm. and I remember two years ago I went for a really tough time and then I had uh, I kept having fits like epileptic fits oh. they're anxiety attacks Wow! and panic I still get attacks, their tremors yeah. now and you've seen them and they're, they're, they're panic attacks they're mini, yeah, panic attacks. mini panic attacks and they've got a lot less but I remember I went to the doctor and uh, I didn't want to go someone took me and the doctor just straight away prescribed me um, diazepam and then straight away antidepressants oh, no. but I'm talking like 30 like what 10 milligrams of diazepam a day five oh. in the morning five at night plus an antidepressant at 50 milligrams oh, no. and that was like how can we go from me not being aware that i needed any of these things and understanding what that mental health was or yeah. what support i needed to be just been throwing tablets and that's really going to sort you out off you go like really bad and it won't it, it, yeah. it, 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 essentially unless you're actually properly assessed yeah you can't you cannot be medicated to that extent mm. and actually uh, something that i'm really for is more a much more holistic approach mm. because there are loads of things that you can do that don't involve having to be medicated and there are obviously people that are going through some form of psychosis that have to be and i know a lot of young mums who need to have antidepressants to be able to look after their children yeah. and feel normal and i get that but in the most common cases most people could do better to have acupuncture. Yeah. Chinese medicine has so much goodness in it. And for me, it saved it. I've never been medicated. I've been offered antidepressants so many times. Mm. Just the same yeah. as you, gone in, said, you know, I'm not okay. Yeah. I'm not sleeping. I'm, I know I'm, I think I'm going to have a panic attack. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is how I'm feeling. And it's just, yeah, have amitriptyline, have this, have that. And I think I understand what the, general practitioners are trying to do because in their mind they're trying to save lives mm. but actually it's really dangerous because if people aren't properly assessed they're not going to get the, the support that they mm. need the, exactly yeah. what you were talking about sometimes people just need to talk yeah and a cuddle or and a they puppy cuddle. and a puppy <laughs> yeah or you know like mu like i was saying about music therapy being yeah, so powerful yeah. people need to feel heard and understood and that's why some of the charities are so needed because for example like christ shout the, the the charity you know that's that's run by volunteers but that just people just ring and text in when they're feeling like they're having a crisis moment mm. and they can be taken out of that moment and it's really powerful yeah. mm. because you know it is sometimes just the act of just feeling like you have shared mm. that problem with someone that is enough yeah i do worry about the amount of of medicated people that are kind of just pushed that way because i don't know what that's going to do eventually and i've seen friends that are on medication that have come off it and then cannot cope and have gone back on and I'm kind of on a mission to actually see what other things can be found. Mm. So I'm kind of researching something at the moment where I'm thinking, okay, well, what has worked for me? So 
I'm doing like sound bath meditation at the moment, which ah. is really good for trauma healing, mm. cold water swimming, which is really good for depression, CBD, which is great for anxiety. You know, we're drinking some CBD <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, but I'm basically looking at what is the alternative? You know, is it laughing yoga? You know, what is it? Because there are so many options. Yeah. Back in the day, people were still going through a lot of, of, of their own human psychosis and problems yeah. probably not to the extent because social media is hugely yeah. hugely a driving force in people's anxiety these days but there were natural remedies and they exist yeah. yeah it's just a case of finding finding them really and 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 the experience for for different people i guess can vary um i've had two sort of major depressive moments mm. in in my life the first one i started therapy for the first time and over the course of eight to ten weeks, how long I did therapy, I felt myself lift and I got out of that state. Oh, good. The, the second one, I, I didn't. And I mm. needed the support. I was on uh, antidepressants and it helped mm. lift me to the point where I felt like, okay, I can start to see the good in life again and start yeah. to actually work on it in myself and start to do all the other things that you're talking about. You know, mm. exercise is a huge thing for me and my mental health. Yeah, me too. But I guess we've got to get to a place where people feel like, they have the freedom and the opportunity and are supported to figure out what works for them and their mental health. Absolutely. It's all right to have a funk. I mean, this 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 week. Yes. I feel like I said to my partner, I was like, I said to Rob as well. Said to me on the way here. I said to Rob on the way, I was like, you know what? My life is beautiful and I'm a very blessed person and I cannot ask for any more and I, nor would mm. I. But I'm really struggling. Like you said, you said struggling with your brain. Yes. Like I'm struggling with my own mind. And yes. But I, I don't know how long that chapter's going to last. Yeah. I know I don't want medication. I know it's here. I know I'm working on my tools to move forward with it. But it's just present. And that's okay to say, you know what? I'm going through this. It's not Absolutely. about you. It's not about anything anyone's mm. doing. It's actually a really weird thing about me and my rhythm that I'm understanding. And all I need you to do is just give me a little stroke every now and again, as mm. whatever you are in my life, just to know that, you know, that, you're with me on this journey mm. and just you know as well that it won't last because yeah. you have your ups and your downs and and dance <laughs> that was he's landing in me uh, your ups and your downs and and i think it's really powerful to share that because no one is ever consistently okay all no. the time that's so true and i love that because actually the biggest thing there and what you said is you recognize mm. and that's what good mental health is it's just yeah. being conscious yeah. of yourself i go through funks all the time and i will sit there just going what what is it that's what has happened yeah. that suddenly made me feel as though i can't do any of this anymore it's and so you're annoying, like you just get it? this weird <laughs> like i want to escape everything oh my god oh my god yeah and i think Actually, when you just put it down to a funk yeah. and you go, I feel funky. You can be so can freeing breathe, about that, right? You know, but we, we're very affected by so many different things and aspects. And, you know, the, the moon massively affects us, men and women. You know, the, there are lots of parts of, of the, the actual world around us that play a part in why we feel up and down. Mm. And there's a lot from our past as well. You know, like you were saying with your mum, you would have think there would be memories that you have there that will be triggered without you even knowing yeah. and that might trigger something in you that would then lead to you feeling funky or maybe if you don't sleep well for a few days you're going to feel weird sleep is one of the biggest triggers uh, sleep deprivation is the b biggest trigger for for low mental health and, mm -hmm. and depression but just going yeah i'm not all right actually that's enough yeah 
you know what I will share? Actually, I don't really share this stuff. Oh, do, please. Um, but I feel like it is a moment to share it. In that moment where I did take the antidepressants mm. and I did take the diazepam because I did need it because I was having daily panic attacks. I was also taking sleepers at the same time mm. because I just couldn't sleep. This was two years ago. I'm now at a position in my life where I no longer take antidepressants. I don't take diazepam anymore and I don't mm. take sleeping tablets. And I can hold a functioning conversation without having a panic attack. And so my message there is you do recover, yes. you know, and if you lean in and you open up and this this podcast has been such a therapeutic tool mm, love that. for hearing other stories that helps you to understand your story. And this yes. is the biggest reason we created in the middle of the pandemic to give people a platform to, mm. to have a chit chat. And it, it's it's really in that moment as, as we were speaking, I was like, wow, what a, what a period of growth. Yes. And it all happened on this show. Like I had those, oh. the, all those tablets, all these things on this show. So I love that you what you said, though, when you said you can recover. And mm. I think that's it. It's it's knowing that nothing is permanent. Yeah. You know, when you feel really low, you yeah. feel as though you're trapped. It's a feeling of just like, I can't change this. I can't move. And you feel stuck. And actually what's so powerful is just knowing that it's just temporary. Yeah. And you will be okay. And the fact that you can recognize that you're not and then reach out to whoever it is or do your podcast or write your book or whatever it is that lets you creatively outlet that emotion or or just even seeing it written down on paper people journal and it makes them Mm. feel really good because it's a releasing of the emotion because you go i'm not feeling good let me make a note of that oh i'm really not feeling good and then you feel like you've released it yeah but i love i love the fact that you've done so well and that you're feeling so much better as well yeah like that's that's fucking incredible you're fucking incredible yeah. let's just say it <laughs> honestly what, what what do you hope what do you hope then in mm-hmm. i guess to kind of close out this conversation somewhat but what what do you hope in the mental health sort of space changes like what you're you're obviously very passionate about it and you you do a lot of charity work and activism in the space mm. what do you hope over the next few years we can get to i think if if we were just for a second going to touch on mums for for mothers what i want to change for them is i want pregnant women to be more consciously aware of what can happen to their mind when their babies are born we go pick the pram we're all about what color the nursery is going to be but we're not really focused on the fact that we are going to plummet mentally when we do not sleep and we have Mm. so much pressure on our shoulders Mm. and from a physiological point of view you are going to have baby blues of some kind you can't really avoid it but what we have to avoid is women in an extreme place taking their own lives and or worse and that's a very real thing that happens to mums and it's devastating i've recently just found out about a young mum a mother of three had had her third baby a few uh, months ago that just couldn't cope and felt like she had no help and no support and that devastates me because i know for me personally there was a time when i didn't think that i would be here and i held my baby in my arms and I felt like I didn't deserve the joy. I wasn't a good enough mum. I'd never really look after her properly. And I really, in that lowest moment, considered giving up completely on myself. And I had to go to my darkest depths to actually then soar. You know, it's you, mm. we talk about swimming, you know, sinking or swimming. I actually had to go to the lowest point to just 
dive out of it all and then have not stopped trying to help women since because mm. I know how dangerous it can be. And it doesn't have to be a mother's narrative. My second time round, I'm so happy to say that I've enjoyed all the joy as a mum and I've been able to be there present. And, and it's completely different. Like you were saying, um, James, you recovered. I recovered too. Mm. That darkness healed me yeah. and made me a stronger person. And I'm, I'm sure, Rob, you'd agree that those challenges that you had have shaped you as a human yeah. and you wouldn't change them and you can now just see how much you can help other people because of that so with mothers it's that and I think for everyone else I think it's just conversations like this you know mm. just letting people know that there there is a safe space to be able to to talk about how you're feeling and what your fears are and explore what could happen i think for me i want to do more on trying to find alternative therapies for people mm -hmm. because they're going to wait for ages on the nhs to yeah. speak mm -hmm. to a therapist so is it yoga you know is it is it is it having a community walk where people who are feeling anxious get together something yeah I love that. um that's what I think I want to change is just making it an easier subject without stigma around it really Amazing. Yeah, Thank that. you. Thank you for sharing that with us as well. I mean, pleasure. I'm guessing at those points in your journey where you felt lowest, you maybe didn't have that support. And that's what's driving you now to try and yeah. create those resources I, for people. I think it's it's one of those feel it's one of those things where you feel quite embarrassed, I think, when you're not okay. So there's an element of shame, I think, if you're someone who's known as being really bubbly and loud and, you know, is the life and soul of the party, you feel like you're letting everyone down when you're not performing mm. that character. <laughs> so you know exactly what I'm, I'm talking about. I was going to say the I'm same like, thing. I knew uh, you'd know what I mean. Yeah. When you are that light that walks in a room and you light it up and everyone's like, way, they're here. When you struggle, it's yeah. so obvious. And, you know, it means that you play in your head more because you're like, well, shit, well, I can't, I can't go out because then they're going to know I'm f yeah. not okay. Mm. And then you just go round and round. And, you know, we know because of so many tragic incidents with so many actors who were some of the funniest people on the planet, yeah. you know, like Robin Williams, you never know what someone's going through. And it's yeah. usually the people that are really funny and vibrant. And because I think they're trying so hard to keep their light you yeah. know, shining right. so bright. And I think actually um, what what's so important is is to just actually just, you know, have your, whether it's your little team, I don't know who's in your bubble of, of, of love, you know, but make sure, yeah, I can see that you've got <laughs> so much. I love, that. I love that. <laughs> you know, just to say like, you know, that, look, I'm, I'm in a funk. I'm mm. not all right. This is what I need. Yeah. And just check on each other. Like, you know, if a friend drops off for a while, it, it, you don't want to hound them, but you need to go around there. Yeah. You need to go and see if they're okay. And I think social media is, is really good for pretending. Yeah. And even with me, I'm an, I'm such a sucker. Like I'm, I'm an absolute victim of it. I'll have the filter on, you know, you'll only see me with loads of makeup. It's like, we we become really good at hiding 
and we become really good at just showing some parts of ourselves mm. but for me those parts of, of myself that I show even though they may at times seem quite perfect help me kind of stay in a place where I know that I can achieve things that I want I don't know yeah. like I think if I just opened up the gram and was just literally like guys you know I really don't know how I can carry on which is how I genuinely feel sometimes you mm, know yeah. I do have moments where I play with the idea of, of not being here it's a strange thing but I think it comes from a background of mental health problems yeah. and not quite understanding what your mind needs in those instances um, but I also know I'd never go anywhere yeah. Yeah. I'm going to annoy everyone forever powerful mind it's so powerful your mind is so like oh, it's so powerful so powerful overthinking yeah. overthinking yeah. is the worst I don't know about you, but my brain, I think, I think James, you've probably got the same thing. My brain just will not shut down. I can't meditate. No, no. no. Oh my Fuck God. Fuck that. No. Tried that can't so many times. It. Yeah. It does not work for me. It's just, it's sometimes really hard to quiet, quiet the mind, but sometimes yeah. you really need to, especially if you're overthinking something which is really bad for you. Yes. You know, yeah. or it's fear-based overthinking. Yeah. Overthinking is usually fear-based. I feel like we've got a whole other podcast here to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need to do We're going to bring you back health. for season four <laughs> and we'll go through more. That was amazing. Thank health. you for sharing that, yeah, Eve. Thank you so Pleasure. much for coming on and, and having a conversation with us. I feel like I need to go away and just sit in a really dark room and have a good think. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but like, and also listen to magic at the same time <laughs> yeah. and, then, and I'll throw it back to some history. Like, <laughs> Why not? Um, honestly, it's been so, it's so amazing. There's a few moments on the show where we have, I mean, all our guests are amazing and we love our guests and we have picked them, which is, um, we've kept it that way from the very beginning. But when someone is deep rooted personally in, in history, like history, it just, it really, I had to get that plug. It just, um, it's really lovely because it's just, you never know where life's going to take you. So it's so lovely to have you here. Thank you for taking the time to come it's speak to us and to share everything that you have and also about mental health I'm sure a lot of people are going to take a lot away from it oh I'm so glad thank you so much for asking me to come on thank, thank you. you we love you Dave. bye, bye. bye.